I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Short Tales, a series of short stories written and read by me, Damien Robb. We'll get to this episode's story shortly, but first, I want you to remember the last time you felt the satisfying fullness of having gorged on an incredible spread of takeaway. You're lying on your couch, appetite well and truly sated. The TV is on in the background, but you're barely aware of it, too lost in a blissful food coma. Then there is a noise in the other room, and you realise you are not alone. Okay, you ready? Good. This episode's story is entitled... Fortune Delivered There was a knock at the door. Alan rose from the couch and then waited a few moments before entering the hallway to open the door. He didn't want the delivery driver to think he'd been sitting there simply waiting for his food to arrive, unable to focus on anything else. He had been, but he didn't want them to think that. Through the glass of the front door, he saw a bored-looking Asian man. He was young and wore a bright, puffy jacket with the delivery company's logo, a black hornet, on the front. He still had his motorcycle helmet on, so only the top half of his face was visible through the lifted visor. Most importantly, though, he held food. Well, he held a brown paper bag, but inside that bag was food. Food which Alan had been dreaming about all week. The diet had started two weeks ago. It was meant to be three weeks ago, but then on that first Tuesday, someone had left a packet of cookies in the break room, and he'd eaten one before remembering he was supposed to be on a diet, and so decided it would be best to just wait until the following Monday to start the diet again. More complete that way. Other than that one deviation, though, he'd done quite well. A whole fortnight of sticking to his meal plans, limiting his snacking to only the healthiest options, and denying himself of sugar altogether. He felt great. Well, he felt withdrawn and tired, but only physically, emotionally and mentally. His self-regard, however, felt amazing. And naturally, that sort of self-discipline deserved a reward. He opened the door and managed to stop himself from immediately reaching for the bag. He didn't want to come across like a food-starved crazy person. Best to let the delivery driver hand it to him. These things did, after all, have a protocol. Hello, he said, and the delivery driver looked up at him from their phone. Alan did reach for the bag then, but the driver pulled it away to read the docket stapled to the side. Pronto, spring roll, combination black bean and a 12-pack of wontons, he said through the motorcycle helmet as he held the bag hostage. "Uh, Yep, that's what we ordered, Alan said, reaching again for the food, wanting the interaction to be over. The driver gave over the bag and Alan started to close the door. Wait, the driver said. I've taken a photo to prove I delivered it. Well, I know you delivered it. I'm holding it, Alan said. 
He could feel the heat of the food through the paper bag. The smell had found his nostrils, and his mouth was salivating so much it was like a water balloon had burst inside of it. I have to take the photo, the driver repeated. Okay, yes, fine, Alan acquiesced. Let's just do it, but my friends won't like being kept waiting, they're really hungry. Right, the driver responded, dragging out the second half of the word in a way Alan wasn't sure he liked. The driver held up his phone to take the photo, and Alan held the bag up a little higher, not sure what he should do. He was also unsure if he was in the photo, and so gave a weak little smile. The driver nodded at him, and Alan turned, feeling a wave of hunger at finally being so close to his prize. Wait, the driver called. What? Alan said, unable to keep the wine from his voice. The driver reached into his backpack and pulled out a complimentary dessert. Orders of that size come with a free serving of fortune cookies. Thank you, Alan said, not entirely sure he wanted the cookies, not having factored them into his calculated reward. Have a good night, the driver said. You too. A rush of endorphins swept through Alan as he closed the door. He practically giggled as he carried the brown paper bag and fortune cookies into the lounge room. He and the food were finally alone. He quickly changed out of his jeans and shirt and into sweatpants and a tee, purposely having waited until the interaction with the delivery driver was over. Then he settled himself onto the couch, turned on the TV, and opened up the bag. The meal was everything he'd hoped it would be. The prawn toast was the perfect combination of crunchy and soft, the wonton squishy and savoury, the spring rolls flaky and flavoursome, and the black bean sauce ran dark rivers across his taste buds that he drank down like a man who hadn't eaten for a week or a fortnight. He leaned back against the couch at the end of the meal, a picture of satisfaction. He laid his hand across his belly, which felt full, but a comfortable full. He didn't need another single bite. But still, his eyes moved to the plastic bag and the fortune cookies within. One would be okay, surely. They were so thin and light. Yeah, just one, he decided. He reached across the coffee table and lifted the bag. It had one of those sticky tags around the top that he could never quite open, and so instead ripped a hole in the plastic. The smell of the cookies wafted toward him. He breathed it in. They were far from his favourite dessert, but after two weeks without sugar, the smell triggered all the right receptors in his brain. He looked in and grabbed what he thought was the biggest one. The pastry snapped easily in his grip, causing bits of crumb to fall back down onto his lap. His mouth watered in anticipation. The thin strip of paper hung out playfully from the broken biscuit, like it was sticking out its tongue. He'd almost forgotten about the generic bit of fortune that the sweets were named for. He picked it out and read, You will discover you are not alone. Alan stared at the words, printed a faded grey on the cheap paper, and chuckled dryly to himself. As expected, it was the usual nonsense, a sweet platitude that was ultimately meaningless. Besides, at that moment, he was happy to be alone. A noise sounded from the other end of the house, a thud and then a scurry. Alan looked towards the sound, confused, trying to decide what could have caused it. He waited to see if the sound would repeat, and when it didn't, chose to ignore it, instead turning his attention back towards the cookie. He put both halves into his mouth and chewed. His eyes closed with bliss as he crunched the bits into smaller bits, delighting as the sweetness activated the corresponding taste buds. The noise came again, thud and scurry. Alan turned mid-chew to once more look towards the other end of the house. He couldn't ignore it now, could he? No, he decided. 
He sighed and rose, returning the small plastic bag with the remaining cookies back onto his coffee table as he brushed the crumbs off his lap. The house was mostly a single hallway, with a kitchen and lounge room at one end and a spare bedroom at the other, and in between his bedroom and the bathroom. He considered if the noise might be some kind of animal that had gotten into the house, a possum perhaps. He stopped outside his bedroom door, gave it a quick look, but saw no sign of disturbance. He moved next to the spare room. He lightly pushed open the door, peering in. The room was silent, the thudding and scurrying having seemed to have paused for the moment, but he could detect a smell. Musty. Not like an animal exactly, more like age. Old books or old clothes or old people. He stepped one foot into the room, using the door to shield the rest of his body, reached out and flicked the switch. Light enveloped the room, which grew brighter as the halogen bulb became hotter. Something was definitely in there. The room, which served as a spare bedroom slash study slash storage room, was crowded with furniture and boxes and things, plenty of places for a critter to hide. The desk chair was down, knocked over, as was a stack of his old textbooks, which explained the two thumps, but not the scurries. Alan entered the room fully and bent to pick up one of the fallen textbooks. As he did, he heard a noise come from under the bed. A snuffle, maybe? Did Possum snuffle, he wondered. With no small amount of trepidation, he bent down on all fours, holding the textbook as a shield. He lowered his head further until his neck was bent at a weird angle and looked under the bed. He thought he saw movement, but it was black moving on black, so it was hard to be definitive. He considered crawling under the bed with a broom or something, but quickly dismissed the idea. Better he took the hands-off approach. He stood, moved back to the safety of the doorway, and flicked the light switch off and on in quick succession. Amazingly, it worked. Alan heard a snuffle, saw movement, and left the light on. What came out from under the bed wasn't a possum, or a cat, or a rat, or any other animal Alan had ever seen or heard of. The creature was round, its body a fleshy oblong cylinder, off of which came two pairs of feathered wings and three sets of legs. And that was it. No head, no eyes, no ears, just a single torso of flesh with wings and legs attached. At least, Alan thought they were legs. They somewhat resembled chicken's feet, but had the same covering of pink flesh the rest of the body had, making them also look somewhat like hands. Whatever definition you chose, the creature used them to walk itself out from under the bed, emitting more snuffles as it went. Alan wondered how it could snuffle when it had no mouth. He wondered a lot of things in that moment, the thoughts a dim background noise to the rising panic screaming inside of him. Alan let out a sound, a sort of questioning groan, and the creature spun towards him. Alan stumbled backwards, reaching behind him for the door jam, then falling through it. He kicked the door closed. Something like, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell, ran through his head on repeat, although it was less coherent and more like a swarm of general confusion and horror. Alan paced up and down the hallway, trying to think of what to do. Should he call animal control? Did they handle monsters? Which was the only word he could think of to describe the thing that was just on the other side of the door. What was he going to say to them? Hello, some creature crawled out from under my spare bed that looks like a headless pig's with wings and an extra set of legs? They'll think he was crazy. Hell, he'd think he was crazy if it wasn't for the fact that he could still hear the beast snuffling around in the other room. He needed distance, he decided, and so returned to the lounge room where the remaining fortune cookies drew him like steel to a magnet. He certainly wasn't hungry, but he was a nervous eater, and now seemed like a really good time to be nervous. 
Alan snatched up a cookie and had already cracked it when he saw the previous fortune resting beside the bag on the coffee table. You will discover you are not alone. That had certainly proven to be true, he thought, first with panicked amusement and then growing horror. The cookies couldn't predict. Surely not. No, no. That was insane, right? He thought back. He had first heard the sound after he'd snapped the first cookie. But if that were the case, he looked at the broken cookie still held between his fingers. The walls shook around him as a thump sounded from the other end of the house. Alan stood, bile rising in his throat as he exited the lounge room and moved down the hallway towards the spare room. He hesitated for only a moment before he forced the bile back down and swung the door open. The creature now filled the room. Its huge bulk leaned heavily against one wall, and its six legs scrambled as it tried to find space for the extra mass it now carried. The bed was a pile of splinters and linens, and the rest of the room's clutter was in a state of further disarray. Alan slammed the door shut and fell back against the hallway wall. He looked down at his hands, which were balled into fists, and forced himself to unclench them. In his left was the shattered remains of the second fortune cookie. His sweat had mingled to make it a sticky mess, a small strip of paper at the centre. Seven words told him his second fortune. Ignore your problems, and they will grow. The bile came back with a vengeance, and this time, Alan couldn't keep it down. He waited two hours before he opened the next fortune cookie. That time was spent thinking through the problem while routinely checking in on the creature. It had calmed down after it had destroyed the room. Now it lay in the rubble of his possessions like a dog in its bed. Here are the solutions Alan came up with and dismissed in those two hours. One, starve it out. Except it had no mouth, so who's to say the thing is even capable of starving? Two, kill it. Problematic due to its size and the fact that it seems to have an awareness of his presence despite a lack of eyes. Basically, it might kill him before he could kill it, and that was a risk Alan wasn't willing to take. Three, call the police. It seemed likely that they would be able to do something, although Alan wasn't sure exactly what, but it also seemed likely that they would have a lot of questions for him. Questions he couldn't even begin to answer. He also wondered how much prison time exotic animal dealers got these days. Four, keep it indefinitely. Too many negatives. Hard to explain to visitors, lose a whole room of his house, not really at the point of his life where he can commit to keeping a monster as a live-in pet. Finally, give the restaurant a bad review online and complain that their fortune cookies were enchanted. Which, while that may be satisfying, he knew it wouldn't actually solve the problem. Which left him with option number six. Open the rest of the fortune cookies and see what happens. It was a problematic option, he knew. It had the potential for greater disaster, almost a guarantee really, and by no means did it seem definite that it would offer a solution. But it might. And that but was what he was working with. Out of all the options, this seemed like the only one that had a chance of somehow getting rid of the beast, however small that chance might be. There were two cookies left in the bag, two seemingly harmless clam-shaped wafers with his future written inside. He wondered if it mattered which one he broke next, or if, like the fortunes themselves, all of this was preordained. It didn't really matter, he supposed. He picked up the one closest to him and snapped it in two. Opportunities to rise will come your way. As he was wondering what that could possibly mean, he heard a crash, then a crumble, then a tearing. Plaster and tiles and footsteps. The thing was on the roof. Alan rushed into his spare room and saw exactly what he feared he would. A hole where a ceiling should be. He ran back down the hallway and towards the front door. Once outside, he looked up. 
On the rooftop, its silhouette visible through the moonlight, was the beast. It snuffled, then let out a muffled and ragged caw. Lights were beginning to turn on in his neighbours' houses, and through the windows he could see people peering out. Shit, 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 Alan said, taking the last fortune cookie from his pocket. He really hoped it would have a solution. It cracked under the pressure of his shaking fingers, and with more than a little terror, he freed the off-white slip of paper from its sugary shell. Open up the senses, and all that bothers you shall disappear. What the hell did that mean? Alan, come on now, don't freak out, he told himself. Disappear, the cookie said. That's a good thing, right? He just had to solve the riddle, open up his senses. He could figure this out. He could, maybe. The beast paced across the rooftop, each step cracking tiles and breaking timber. Open up his senses. What could that mean? No, he realised. He was reading it wrong. It wasn't open up his senses. It was open up the senses. And the only thing without senses around here was... Oh, no. Alan really hoped he was wrong, but he had a sickly feeling that he wasn't. He looked up at the faceless monster who had stopped its pacing and was now perched on the edge of the roof. Its posture suggested it was looking down at him. Alan, forever the nervous eater, put both halves of the fortune cookie in his mouth and chewed. Tiles slid under his feet as Alan made his way across the rooftop. The rain had started while he'd been searching for a ladder he didn't have. Instead, he'd ended up climbing on top of one of his wheelie bins and then managed to scramble his way over the guttering. Not an easy thing to do when you were carrying a drill in one hand. He'd almost forgotten he had the tool. He'd received it as a present a few years ago when he'd gone through a handyman phase. Once that had passed, he'd left the drill in the shed with his few other tools to collect dust. It still had some battery, though. He hoped it was enough. He was moving carefully across the roof and was only about a metre from the beast when he slipped. He fell face first down onto the already cracked tiles, which cracked further under his weight. His chin bounced, but he managed to keep hold of the drill. He got onto his knees, wiped the blood from his chin, and looked up at the monster who had stepped forward to loom over him. Alan swallowed his fear, which tasted of bile and fortune cookies, and remembering that he'd started the night afraid of the delivery driver thinking him a glutton, leapt into action. He jumped onto the monster's back and used one hand to grip tight to a set of wings, as with the other he turned on the drill. It let out a terrible mechanical whine that was followed with a rumble of thunder from above, as if the sky was providing a score to the action playing out on Alan's rooftop. Alan screamed out an apology, then leaned forward and forced the drill into the left side of what went for the beast's head, which was really just the forward part of its fleshy torso. The drill took, and he pushed down. There was little resistance, and he was surprised to see no blood escape the wound. It was as if the monster was made of cork rather than flesh, despite its appearance. The creature bucked and scrambled across the roof, but Alan managed to hold on. He removed and reinserted the drill to create a similar hole on the right side. Good. Ears done. Only five more holes to go. Alan leaned forward again, and with two quick whirs gave the beast its nostrils. It reared up in retaliation, its two front feet leaving the ground. He gripped tight to the wings and felt his stomach rise up in his throat as gravity pushed his legs and waist into the open air. Lightning cracked. The beast dropped and Alan thudded against its back. He took a shaky breath and went back to work. He forced the drill next into the area where he figured its right eye should be. The thing bucked again, forward this time, causing Alan already off balance to fly fully off the creature. He flipped midair and landed hard on the roof, winding himself. Alan gasped as he struggled to pull oxygen back into his body. 
Feeling sore and lightheaded, he nevertheless managed to pull himself up, drill still in hand. Thunder boomed again. Alan wiped the rain from his eyes and charged. The monster swung its rate towards him, but Alan managed to leap to the side, forcing the drill forward, creating a second eye in the creature's front. Alan smiled. He was doing well, which was when the beast kicked him. He went down for a third time, this time losing his grip on the drill. It bounced out of his hand, slid across the roof, and fell to the ground with a smash. Alan looked from the broken drill to the monster. The two eye holes he had given it stared back at him. It poured the ground, ready to charge, then came one big ball of muscle. Alan grabbed the closest thing to him, a broken piece of tile, and slashed out at the creature before jumping to the side. The monster, unable to stop its momentum, skidded and toppled over the edge of the roof. Alan pulled himself up onto all fours and looked down. Where he expected to see the body of the beast smashed on the ground alongside his drill, he instead saw it hovering, its four wings flapping to keep it in place. It flew up, drawing eye level with Alan. Lightning cracked and through the sudden light, he saw the beast now wore a ragged smile, compliments of the broken tile. The creature bowed, and Alan met its smile with one of his own. The monster's body began to disintegrate particles of it moving to land on the broken roof and through the hole it had made. Where every particle fell, wreckage was restored. Alan stood, lost in wonder, as all around him his roof repaired itself, then looked up to see the last of the beast, its newly acquired face, fall to pieces and disappear. Then he was alone, standing on his roof in the rain. Alan climbed down and went back inside. He made his way towards the spare room, now completely restored, and checked under the bed to be sure, but there was nothing there. He went back into the lounge room and flopped his sodden body down onto the couch. The discarded packaging of his dinner lay before him. He realised he felt unexpectedly hungry, and wondered if perhaps he should order some takeaway. Thanks for listening to this month's short tale. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, to finish this episode off, I've recorded some afterthoughts, which detail where the idea for this story came from and any challenges I faced while writing it. If that feels too self-indulgent for your taste, fair enough. But if that sounds like your kind of thing, then listen on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was in the library wanting to get some writing done, but the inspiration wasn't coming. I was putting words down, and worse than hating every one of them, they were boring. I scrapped the story I was working on and decided to start something new, but didn't know what. Like most writers, I have a folder of ideas, but I didn't want to start on any of those. I wanted an idea that would surprise me, that was weird and wonderful and as far from boring as I could get. I got up and paced around the shelves near me, eyes half scanning the spines, when a book jumped out at me. Unfortunately, I can no longer remember the title, but it was on mythology. I've always liked mythology, and I particularly like it when writers weave these centuries-old stories into something new. So I opened up the book and flicked through, finally stopping on a page with the heading, Hundun. The creature in this story is a Hundun, and comes from Chinese mythology. In the old stories, the Hundun was the personification of chaos and lived before the world was really the world. It lived with the gods of the North and South Seas, Shu and Hu, who one day decided to grant the Hundun its senses, and so drilled seven holes in its head. On the completion of the final hole, the Hundun died, and from its body, the universe was created. There was also a picture, which I've included a link to in the show notes, of a fleshy, pink, headless beast with wings sprouting from its backs, and one of its six legs raised, reaching out with some kind of part hoof, part hand appendage. I thought it was weird. I thought it was wonderful. And to me, it was about as far from boring as you could get. So that's what I wrote about. It was also a nice reminder to constantly be on the lookout for ideas, to purposefully hunt down bits of randomness outside of your usual bubbles that you might want to include in a story, and in so doing, revitalize it, make it new if only to you. There's also that adage about only writing what you know, which can be simplistic and problematic, but which I think the antidote for is to know more. Research topics so that now you know them and can write about them. At the time of writing this story, I'd also recently had a night of fast food gorging, a topic I definitely felt confident writing about, with my experience similar enough to the one that kicked this story off, albeit not quite as exaggerated, but with all the sentiments largely the same. Alan, my worst self stand-in, was born, and from that experience combined with my research on the Hundun, a story grew. And you've just listened to it. I'll finish with some final bonus details about the Hundun. The Hundun is a symbol of the undivided beginning, the embodiment of primordial chaos. Their lack of senses highlight the complete darkness that exists in the beginning of time and which ended with its death. It is also the Mandarin word for a wonton. All right, those are all my thoughts. But if you have any that you'd like to share, please do. You can write to me at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at Midday Pajamas. Until next time, this has been Short Tales, and I've been Damien Robb.